For quite a while now, a lot of Giants fans have been clamoring for the team to let the kids play. And it's not that the Giants were against that idea. In fact, Farhan Zaidi, ownership, they've been talking about how that's going to be so important to the next really successful wave of Giants baseball is youth. And so it's not that they were against it. It's just that they were waiting for the right players who they really believed in to be ready. And guess what? A couple of them are here in Casey Schmidt and Patrick Bailey. And there's several more who seem close to majorly ready as well. It's an exciting time to be a fan of the Giants. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score, and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, so check us out there if you have not already. And please, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and help us out. And you know, help yourself out because you'll be getting this show every single weekday. And anyway, coming up on today's show, the Giants took two out of three from the Marlins. Important because last time they played the Marlins, they had lost two out of three. And they had, you know, they started out this homestand with a sweep of the Phillies and then go one and one in the first two games against the Marlins. If you lose the rubber match, uh, it kind of takes away from the overall good vibes from the homestand but instead they get the win behind Patrick Bailey Casey Schmidt contributing again and they end up going five and one on the homestand and now they head out on the road to Minnesota but the real kind of big major takeaway here is that the youth movement has arrived and what you have here is a couple of young players in Casey Schmidt and now Patrick Bailey who have come up and made an immediate impact and that it has energized the fans in a way that they've been waiting to be energized for a long time. And it's it's obviously too early to make grand declarations about how these careers are going to go for Schmidt and Bailey. And for Casey Schmidt, I continue to have some concerns about his kind of wild, free-swinging ways. But if you throw him a pitch in the zone, I'm so impressed with his ability to just kind of put a good swing on it and get a base hit out of it or, you know, hit for some power even out of that swing. And then, of course, the defense and the versatility, being able to play third, short, and second, and the arm he has gives him that high floor at the very least. And then with Pat Bailey, it's kind of a similar story in that he's known as such a good defensive catcher. And I think we saw that on display. There was some you know, there was like a pass ball or and there was like a steal attempt where he couldn't get a throw off, kind of dropped the ball. But I, I think that stuff will normalize over time. But what I was impressed with was his framing in these two starts that he made on Saturday and Sunday. Just really good framing, just looked really comfortable behind the plate, looked like pitchers are going to enjoy throwing to this guy a lot. And 
Noteworthy from Gabe Kapler. He said, uh, you know, because there was kind of a question, like, is this just a temporary thing? Especially when on the first day of Bailey being promoted, he didn't start. And so there was questions like, is he just kind of filling in out of necessity because Joey Bart is injured and he's the next best option, maybe only defensively, and that as soon as Bart is back, that Bailey will immediately definitely get sent down. And Kapler kind of responded to that question by saying, quote, he's not just a fill-in. We think he's ready to help us win baseball games. And that's the end of the quote. So anyway, they basically said the same thing about Schmidt when asked what his role would be. And what has Schmidt done? He started every single game. I believe I'm almost positive he started every single game since he's been called up and it's going to get interesting like for both Schmidt and for Bailey and not just for them but like in regards to them because when Joey Bart is healthy enough to play what happens at the catcher position Blake Sable can't be optioned some people say okay we'll move Sable to the outfield and or the DH role but the outfield is full you're not going to just like stop playing Mitch Hanniger. They're committed to him financially, and he's got a track record of hitting. And you're just not going to give up on him after he's played like 17 games. And he's actually started to heat up over the last few days. And, you know, Conforto and Yastrzemski and Slater when he comes back. And so, and then you say, okay, well, DH. Well, Jock Peterson hopefully is close to coming back. And they've been using. J.D. Davis at DH a lot in order to get Casey Schmidt into the game at third and playing Brandon Crawford. And so it could get real crowded real fast with, you know, when Bart comes back, when Jock Peterson comes back. But I don't think these are guys who are going anywhere. And the Kapler quote and the fact that Schmidt has played every single day uh, indicates that. So anyway, just just to mention, not only was Pat Bailey so impressive to me as a framer, got a lot of strikes that were out of the zone called strikes, and that's a huge deal. It's not just, it's not a small deal. It is a huge deal. The count makes such a difference, and so when you're able to get pitches that are balls called strikes, it is extremely beneficial. And likewise, if you're, you know a poor framer and there are pitches that are in the zone, but you're not framing them well and they're getting called balls. That's equally as damaging. And so I was very impressed by the framing, but also like the scouting report on Pat Bailey is that not just the scouting report, but the numbers back it up is that he's a much better left-handed hitter than right-handed hitter. But in this, in his two games that he played, I mean, he actually played in three game, all three games over the weekend had a, not pinch hit. I think he, there was a pinch hitter for, for uh Sable and then Bailey came in as a defensive replacement and then gotten at bat. I believe that's how it went down. Uh, but anyway, he never faced a right-handed pitcher. So he only batted from the right side facing left-handed pitching in this entire series. And what did he do? Well, he got his first major league hit, a single to the opposite field, which was a nice compact, good-looking swing, and then in the finale of the series against Jesus Lazardo, who's a very good pitcher, uh, who threw a fastball up and in, like literally up and in, in the strike zone, in the upper in corner, and it was 98 miles an hour, and Bailey just crushed it, turned on it 
and just crushed it to left field. Just a no doubter. The left fielder didn't even move. And so, uh, if that's what his right-handed swing is looking like, I'm looking forward to seeing his left-handed swing. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Even right now, it's a little bit confusing. Like, do you play Blake Sable over Pat Bailey at the catcher position against a right-handed pitcher? And we're going to find that out tonight as the Giants are playing the Minnesota Twins and, and, uh, uh, it's a right-handed pitcher on the mound. And so maybe Sable is the DH and Pat Bailey is the catcher, but that can't last when Jock Peterson comes back. And so it's, it's super interesting to see how this is all going to play out. And that's even without Bart being on the roster. And so you could see there's going to, they're going to have to make some tough decisions here, but for Kapler to say what he said, he's not just a fill in. We think he's ready to help us win baseball games. And the fact that he, has done as well as he's done in the tiny sample of, you know, the three games that he's played. You're obviously, you know, he's he's shown enough to to warrant continued playing time, absolutely, as has Casey Schmidt, of course. And so coming up in just a minute, we're going to continue this conversation. There were others. There was a another Major League debut, Ryan Walker out of the bullpen, and then there's a couple of guys in AAA who appear very close to the major leagues as well, including someone who hasn't gotten a lot of attention over the last year, but a position player who was recently a very highly regarded prospect. He's in AAA and doing well. And so you're not going to want to miss that conversation and how he may fit onto the roster. So we'll get into all of that in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part that you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. All right, here we go. More talk about the Giants uh, suddenly being an exciting young team. I mean, you've got a couple guys that are kind of can't miss right now in Casey Schmidt and Pat Bailey. Especially, I'm really, I, I assume that Bailey, well, he's caught two games in a row. And so actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him a day off today and maybe put in Blake Sable at catcher and, you know, J.D. Davis at DH and Schmidt at third and maybe Crawford at short. But I'm starting to have my doubts about Brandon Crawford kind of just being a regular based on some, uh, the at-bat quality has been not great. And so uh, there's just a lot going on here but it's a good problem to have and that they have a lot of youth that is making things interesting and making the Giants potentially have to make some tough decisions by the way the Giants play the uh Minnesota Twins tonight at what time four something 
Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. The Twins are in first place, and they've obviously got Carlos Correa. By the way, the game is at 440 Pacific, and they've got a good pitcher on the mound, but a pitcher who's kind of outperforming some of the peripheral numbers got a 1.78 ERA but maybe due for some regression. So, we'll be break we'll be previewing that series coming up in just a bit and the fact that Carlos Correa, you know, their Giants are going to be right there with Carlos Correa on the field and so that's going to be very interesting. But continuing the theme of the youth movement in San Francisco, you very well have a couple of guys if not more who are in the same position as Schmidt and Bailey in that they're close to being majorly ready and that you could see a call up and for me the guy who's most interesting here is Luis Matos this is a guy who about a year ago was considered I mean by fan graphs they had him as the 35th ranked prospect in all of baseball and that was when he was, he had just, it was coming off the 2021 season in low A, right? And so he wasn't even high in the minors and they still had him as that, that highly ranked. And then what happened was in 2022, he just had a down year. He spent the whole year essentially in high A Eugene where he struggled and, you know, he hit 211, 275 on base, 344 slugging, just not a great performance and he just fell off of everybody's top 100 list. Fangraphs wasn't the only publication to have him in the top 100, but what's happened now? Well, he not only is performing better, but he started the season in double a, a level he had. So he struggled, like I said, last year in high a, but instead of like going back to high a, they just pushed him to double a, uh, and, he hit so well and and his plate discipline improved dramatically with a 13% walk rate versus a 9% strikeout rate. It's just anytime you're walking more than you're striking out, that's great. And that walk rate is minuscule and the, or excuse me, the strikeout rate is very low. Under 10% is super low and the walk rate 13% is very good. And so not only that, but he also hit 304 because of the walk rate of 398 on base and he hit for some power as well with a 443 slugging and so within 31 games there he earned a promotion to AAA where now he's played in 5 games and what has he done he's hit 409 with a 435 on base and a 682 slugging it's about 70% above average for the Pacific Coast League I believe they've they've been playing in Reno which is you know high altitude and so the ball flies but still uh he's only walked 4.3 percent of the time so he's only drawn one walk in those 23 plate appearances but he's also only struck out one time and so Luis Matos is like to me pretty much major league ready and that is a big development given I mean like last year he was struggling in a ball and now he's on the cusp of the majors. It's very similar to Bailey who had never played in double a until this season. And then he played 14 games in double a 14 games in triple a, and then he's in the major leagues. And uh, I'm going to read kind of the write up from Fangraphs last year, entering 2022, what they had to say about Luis Matos. And what they said was Matos had a tremendous 20, uh, 2021, he spent the season at Low A San Jose, where he slashed 
blah, blah, blah. I think we already said the numbers and got low A West MVP honors all before his 20th birthday, which occurred a few days before the publication of this Giants list. Uh, He struck out a minuscule 12.4% of the time with a 41% fly ball rate. He still demonstrates freaky rotational ability and can smack his barrel into the ball no matter what hitting zone it's in. His ability to connect with whatever the pitcher hurls his way leads to a relatively common profile for a hitter his age as Mato swings more often than he should rather than waiting for the pitches he can really punish. His walk rate was only 5.7% in 2021, though it did trend upward toward the end of the season, and his BABIP was unsustainably high, so refining his pitch selection will be a key part of his progression toward the higher levels of the minors. There's huge ceiling here, that of a center fielder with a potent combination of hit and power, but the pitch selection piece of Matos's profile is a little bit concerning and is keeping him in the 50 future value tier for now. So 50, the end quote, uh, 50 future value is a scouting term, you know, on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, they're keeping him at 50, but they're saying essentially if the plate discipline improves, I mean, in the, in the little blurb, it says his aggressive approach is the only thing holding him back from the 55 future value tier. And so I forget exactly what a 55 future value tier translates to. They have all these kind of translations for what that means in terms of performance. But all I'm trying to say is that, well, he has refined that pitch selection. That is what we saw. Not only, like I said, not only did he do it, but he did it at a level at which he had never played before, a higher level than he had ever played. And he's 21 years old. He just turned 21. The kid was born in 2002. So a little baby, a little infant when the Giants had their World Series heartbreak. I don't know why I've brought that up now like a couple times in the last week of the 2002 World Series. But he was literally an infant at the time of that World Series. So Matos, young kid in AAA, tore it up in double A and is tearing it up in triple A, but it's the same kind of situation. Where is the fit? The outfield is crowded. You've got Hanniger in left. You've got Conforto in right. You've got Yastrzemski in center. And when he's healthy, Slater platooning there. But right now, Bryce Johnson is platooning in center. And so I'm honestly a little bit surprised we haven't seen a move made already, even though Matos has only played five games in triple A. Because Bryce Johnson, I just don't think, provides that kind of ceiling offensively, certainly. There's just no doubt Matos is a much better prospect than Bryce Johnson. No disrespect to Bryce Johnson. I'm happy that he's getting his opportunity, but I much more believe in the long-term impact of Matos over Bryce Johnson. And so uh, maybe five games just isn't enough there, and they want to see Matos just continue to do it in AAA and continue to show that pitch selection which is like kind of the key for his development but even without the pitch selection he's got good speed he's got you know true ability to stay to stay in center field and so at the very least like you could see him platooning with Mike Yastrzemski but like they wrote in the blurb he's got kind of impact ceiling high ceiling and so that's not a guy you want to limit to like the short side of a platoon role and so suddenly you could be talking about just 
with Schmidt and Bailey and Matos, and we didn't even mention Kyle Harrison. And in all of those cases, you know, in the rotation, they've got so many guys, but then a couple guys underperforming like Manaya and Stripling, but it's still crowded. In the outfield, it's crowded with Schmidt and, you know, with everything I was saying earlier about Bart at the catcher position, all of a sudden that there's moves to potentially have to be made here. And I don't know exactly how it'll shake out and it's going to be fascinating to watch. And we'll be covering the giants every single day as they go through this transition that is exciting and has people, I think more interested in the giants. As I said, before the season started, people were down on the farm system at exactly the wrong moment. And it was all about preseason publications publications that for example were writing off Luis Matos well now all of a sudden based on what he's doing he definitely belongs back in that top 100 mix and like Fangraphs had him he was not just number 99 there he was number 35 and he's done nothing to warrant being lower than that in my opinion based on how he started this season so coming up in just a minute we're going to talk about Alex Wood once again being unhappy about getting pulled in the fifth inning uh, Logan Webb's start and a little bit of an injury perhaps for Logan Webb is it something to worry about and Carlos Correa back uh, on the Giants radar here as the Giants are headed to Minnesota tonight to play the Minnesota Twins so we'll get into all of that in just a minute but before we do this episode is brought to you by so rare our new sponsor so rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com, to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, as promised, more to get to here. Uh, Want to just mention, I, I didn't notice this until this morning as I was preparing for the podcast that Alex Wood had some comments to make about being pulled in the fifth inning of this game again. Uh, the last start, it, it was a point of conversation. I had to talk about it because there was some controversy there, four and two thirds, one out away from qualifying for the win, and he got pulled and then pulled again in the fourth or the fifth inning yesterday and he had some words and so we'll get into those thanks again for making lockdown giants your first listen every day every dayers tomorrow on the show breaking down game one it's a bullpen game for the giants john brebbia is going to get the start and i would imagine that sean Manaya probably follows him up and so every sean Manaya outing is one to watch carefully because if the struggles continue then it kind of indicates more and more that perhaps they go another direction, although I don't know what exactly they would do with Sean Manaya. The Giants play the Minnesota Twins tonight at 4.40 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. And so 
Yes, I just wanted to discuss the Alex Wood comments. So he gets pulled. Uh, I'm just going to paint a picture for you about the situation. He, I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but I know he had already allowed just a monster home run to Jorge Soler in the first inning. It was just a no-doubter crushed. And then he had allowed another home run a little bit later on in the game. And at this point, I believe the score was four to three Giants. And Alex Wood had allowed two hits in the fifth inning. Now, these were not well-hit balls. There was just a ground ball that found a hole, I think, to the right side. And then there was an infield hit. The Marlins had like six or seven infield hits in this game on Sunday. And so you feel bad for Alex Wood because it th- both of those could have easily been outs. And then I think you probably let him face Solaire, but maybe not, honestly, given that uh, Solaire is a right-handed hitter facing a left-handed pitcher in Wood. He's already taken him deep. It's the third time through the order. It's just like the stars are kind of aligning. And most significantly, it's a one-run game. If this game is seven to nothing and I mean, and there's nobody on base and there's two outs. No doubt. Just let them ride. But when it's a one-run game, there's two guys on. It's a right-handed hitter with tremendous power who's already taken you deep. You've given up two home runs in the game. Look, I'm not trying to be critical of Alex Wood, but that's a dangerous situation. And so to go to a right-handed pitcher there, they bring in John Brebbia, who's been, I mean, the ERA doesn't really stand out, but the peripheral numbers are kind of off the charts. And... They go to Brebbia and, you know, Brebbia only gives up one run. I think it was first and second. Was it no outs? I can't remember exactly. One out, no outs. But they take out Wood and here's what Wood had to say. Quote, it's hard because you feel like you don't get to pitch anymore. It's like throw five perfect innings or throw five perfect or get yanked in the fifth. It's frustrating. End quote. And so... I think that's hyperbole because it's not that you had to be perfect. It's that, I mean, it it also has to do with the offense, which is totally out of Wood's control. So the fact that the game was a one-run game, four to three, first of all, you gave up three runs prior to that fifth inning. And so that's not three runs in four innings. It's not like, oh, I have to be perfect. It's like he he was allowing runs you know, three runs in four innings and then two guys on in the fifth was set up for at least another run. And so I think he's, I understand the frustration and he's kind of speaking out of frustration there, but they'll let him go under the, under different circumstances. But last time he pitched, he was on a strict pitch count because he was coming off missing a month and hadn't, and in his rehab start had barely pitched and you know hadn't built up his pitch count but today he or yesterday he could have gone longer but the situation totally warranted taking him out and for those who are like no let him get a chance to get the win it's just crazy you'd rather give Alex Wood a chance to get the win kind of a meaningless statistic i know it matters to them and i guess it matters to some of you listening but i care much more about the team winning the game than the pitcher winning the game. I don't give one single care at all to the pitcher win. I mean, what can I say? I want the team to win. And I think going to Brebbia there was the right move. 
he allowed a hit, but that was it and got out of the inning otherwise. And so, and the Giants won this game. And so it's hard to argue with the results. And for all we know, Solaire could have hit another. The dude ended up having four hits on the day. And so Solaire was a menace yesterday and kind of on a mission. And so he, he got a hit off of Brebbia, a tougher matchup for him. And so just imagine what he could have done against Alex Wood. For all we know, Wood gets a double play, but just situationally, it was the right move, I thought. And I feel bad for Wood, but it's it's not like he was anywhere close to perfect in this game. So to say, I have to be perfect, it's not like you were just barely not perfect and then they pulled you. It's like the situation was, it was pretty clear that, you know, just objectively taking him out there was the right move. So last thing, I, last couple things I want to mention, Logan Webb had another really good start and his season numbers all of a sudden now his ERA is like 2.9. And so that slow start is like a thing of the past. He had a ERA in the sixes, I think through his first several outings. And now on the season, it's down to 2.9. So we have seen a lot of like, uh, normalization in a lot of areas for the Giants and Logan Webb getting back to being Logan Webb is one of those areas. But, you know, I was surprised when he came out, he had only thrown uh pitch count in the low 90s and had pitched six innings. And I thought he could, he could keep going, but they took him out. But then Gabe Kapler said out of, after the game, he came out with low back tightness, but that uh, it's kind of mild and they don't expect him to have to miss any time. And that it's just a thing that can crop up from time to time. So that, let's hope so, because definitely, I mean, Stripling just went on the injured list with low back strain. So uh, hopefully Webb is okay. And it's great to see those numbers normalizing for him. So lastly, the Giants are going to see Carlos Correa tonight. And, you know, I would imagine there'll, there'll be some hugs on the field with like Brandon Crawford and Logan Webb, because I think they, they kind of connected and, and really believed that he was coming to the Giants. But, you know, I still don't blame the Giants one bit for the way it went down. Clearly, there was a problem with the ankle because he goes and signs another deal with the Mets and then it falls apart too over the exact same issue. And then he signs ends up signing with the Twins for $150 million less than what the Giants originally had agreed to with him. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate. I wish he was on the Giants, but I also wish he was healthy. I, I don't want an injured player given 13 years and $350 million or a, a guy with a chronic issue that is going to maybe break down, break him down, down the road. So I wish him the best. He's kind of had a down year so far, but he's been heating up lately and the twins have been good at home. So giants play the twins tonight at four forty Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app, search Giants. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow. More Giants talk. Can they beat this Minnesota Twins team uh, that's got a really good pitching staff? And we're going to see Correa. We're, we're going to see probably Schmidt. Interesting to see is Bailey in the lineup. And do they make a move for Luis Matos? Uh, could that possibly happen? So all of that coming up on tomorrow's show. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.